Hi, welcome to Over the Page, the Vale of Glamorgan Library Service podcast. And if you don't know where the Vale of Glamorgan is, it's the nice bit nestled between Cardiff and Bridgend. So <laughs> we've got Panas um, on one side um, and stretching along the Heritage Coastline over to um, Cowbridge and Corntown. I'm joined today by Chris. Hello. <laughs> and uh, Ben, the children's librarian. Hello, Julia. And myself, uh, Julia from Cowbridge Library. So we don't really know much about each other. We've worked together for a long time, or Chris and I have worked together for a long time, but in different areas. Um, and you're the new boy, Ben. Uh, I am. <laughs> so we thought it was a good idea. Maybe we could get together, get to know each other. Um, and there's no better way to get to know each other than uh, telling us about your favourite book. So I've asked, or I've suggested that we all choose um, three books. Um, and let's, uh, let's, who's going first? Chris, how about you? Um, well, I'm going to, okay. Yeah, I've got three books in front of me and I'll, I think I'll go in chronological order, shall I? <laughs> uh, I think the, um, the starter book would be Mill on the Floss. Um, hey, in saying chronological order, I'm not quite sure if it's, um, yeah, I reckon it was the first one published, probably sort of mid-Victorian, 1850s, that sort of period of um, Victorian novels that tended to be fairly large and weighty and covered all those sort of Victorian themes of poverty and um, uh, wealth and class and um, uh, situations that kept women back. And I think that probably the main protagonist in this is a woman, of course. Um, it's it's based around um, Maggie Tulliver and her brother. Um, and one of those typical sort of uh, Victorian um, issues, really, family issues of, you know, the son going off and um, mm-hmm. um, getting educated, going to inherit the property. The daughter some, somehow stuck stuck at home, not quite being able to fill her up, fulfill her own ambitions, particularly when they're sort of more of the sort of academic and um, worldly um, ambitions. So that's the sort of situation. You come across it in lots of Victorian novels, don't you? So why did you choose it? Um, I think it's for the um, it's for the time I've read it. It's for the atmosphere it creates. I haven't read it for 20 years and I haven't um, been tempted to pick it up and and read it again before we've spoken now, really, because what I remember about it is the atmosphere it creates, that, at, that atmosphere of um, you know, unfulfilled ambition, uh-huh. certainly one thing, um, sort of the prospects of better better times, another sort of atmosphere, but it also a lot relates to the, the time I was living through. I mean, I was living in... Um, Langland Bay in Swansea at the time, and um, only for the summer. I was staying with my parents um, and was working in a graveyard just round the corner. <laughs> Things you didn't know about yeah. your boss. <laughs> Oysterman Cemetery. It was one of those university um, summer jobs. And the times when the council used to take on a lot of people and they would um, get involved in all sorts of things. So I was working in the local um, graveyard. And I was um, working there with two much, much older fellas. 
and it was a very wet summer and we spent a lot of the time just sitting in the sheds basically with a little um log fire which was on all the time drinking huge amounts of tea eating quite a bit I would uh, listen a lot to the stories they were telling and they'd both been ex-prisoners so there's lots of tales of violence and fights and um the bad for a great day, to, which created a great atmosphere in itself I really loved it actually a little bit fearful of them but I loved it all the same <laughs> and um hey I had this book to read before going back to university in the autumn so I took me on the floss along and um sat down and read it in some of the spare time I had there. Uh, and it was that whole atmosphere of being in the a very wet summer, it seemed, um, working in a graveyard, looking at Victorian um, headstones, coming back and reading this um, novel based in Victorian times. Um, there's a, a headstone in Neustermann Cemetery. Again, I haven't been back to there for years and years, but there is a gravestone in there relating to um, people who died at sea, um, some young men who died at sea in particular. And that sort of relates to the end of the book when uh, the brother and sister in this get uh, get drowned um, in the river. Yeah. So the whole sort of thing melded together in my mind. Um, dark, gloomy atmosphere, listening to these tales of, you know, times that uh, didn't quite belong. Um, so, yeah, it's the atmosphere it created, which has uh, had a long lasting sort of influence on me, I think. I do remember reading it, as you say, yeah, a good uh, 20 years ago. And I, I really enjoyed it. I loved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, very dark and brooding, as you say. OK, book two. Are we going a bit more uplifting or? A bit more uplifting. I'll go for... <laughs> hey, I'm going to sit up. No. <laughs> I'll mean, go with... Um, I mean, before you... Set, yeah. Before you Maybe start there, Chris, I, I, I'd, I'd have to say, I mean, your, your, your grave digging odyssey, that, 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 sounds, that sounds like a novel that needs to be written. Um, well, it was, a very fasc- it was a fascinating summer. I was introduced to lots of things that I hadn't been aware of before, I must admit, and um, some work that I've never done since, <laughs> which did sort of cast a bit of a gloom over um, the whole summer, but it's also at the same time it was very uplifting because it's a very very funny story. There's a lot of black humour that was shared yeah. in that little cabin, so it's with peals of laughter. Um, so yeah, very very interesting time. If that was a if that was a Netflix series, I'd definitely watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I'd be the hero, of course. Have of course. <laughs> yeah, and a, a beautiful cemetery. I've always loved cemeteries. Um, I think I loved them before that time, but I certainly have loved them since. And for a time, I worked as a volunteer in Highgate when I moved to London, for instance. So uh, I love Highgate. Things. It's it's yeah, the, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, the yeah. old the old side of Highgate in particular is is just incredible. Yeah, so I love I love tombs and things like that. So they're all all tied in with um, interest. Second book, I'm going to go to um, Kilver's Diary. Another thing, another. Um, work from a similar period. I think it it began in the um, 1870s. It's a real-life diary of um, Parson Kilvert. He wrote it for nine years. He got married at the end of that period, and I think he died fairly shortly afterwards. So it's a short period of nine years where he wrote this diary. It wasn't then discovered really and published until the 1930s when it became a bit of a hit. And it's one of those sort of classic diaries 
where uh, you know he wrote something down every day. Very interesting. He's a parson. He went in and out of people's cottages. He got involved with all the gossip of the neighbourhood, um, based somewhere on the Welsh border. Um, gives you a really interesting insight to that time. Um, you know how society was managed at that period. It also gives you a very interesting insight to him as a person. I mean, he's fairly cheerful and upbeat. Um, very much um, a single man during that period, but always on the lookout for love. Um, he had a couple of, um, you know, eyes on a couple of different people um, that, that come across in in the diary. It's just a very interesting read, very well written, I think. Um, very romantic in a way, you know, he talked about the wildflowers and the, the weather and the, the people he saw and the things that he did. A few little journeys in there, I think, to different areas. Um, yeah, I've always been um, interested in diaries. I don't know if it stems from that time or whether um, that was the thing that sparked me into reading a whole series of diaries during my 20s. Uh, probably um, just to get that insight of different people's lives. So, mm -hmm. yeah, politicians, writers... Um, all sort of people I've read the, the, the diaries of. I think it is a fascinating way to to understand other people, really. And more recently, I've I've um, had that phase of uh, reading diaries lapsed for many many years. But I've in recent years I've I've been um, reading the diary of uh, Richard Burton via tweets. Because <laughs> the diary entry tweeted every couple of days, so I I look into that every now and then. Yeah, great way of. Did it inspire you to write your own, keep your own diary? It did. Yeah, because yeah. it's, it's a great way, I mean, it's a great way to start writing. If anyone wants to start writing, mm. it is to keep a diary yeah. and just have that discipline of writing. Yeah. Exactly. I moved to London in my early 20s and, um, hey, didn't know anyone there. Decided I was not going to have a television. So throughout, um, hey, at least the first half of the 80s, I didn't have a TV and completely missed everything that happened on TV in those years. <laughs> I made up for it by keeping a diary because lots of fascinating things happen when you're in your twenties, don't they? And I got into lots of interesting um, situations, and hey, one day I might edit it, <laughs> take out all the bad bits. But you don't have to publish it under your own name, you know. Keep the bad bits in. You can, yeah. Just pretend. No, I think I have to take the bad bits out because I wouldn't want the kids to read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a task I've got to do in my retirement. I think. <laughs> um, so yeah, always fascinated in diaries. And the last book I've chosen is Bad Blood by Lorna Sage. This was a book I probably read about 10 years ago and then promptly forgot what it was called and spent a good number of years looking for it again because I remembered it as being a book that, again, had quite a good impression on me. I've always been quite interested in family history. And in fact, I think I started writing the diary to record some of my family history because all my grandparents were around at that time. And when I used to come back, at home to visit in Wales, you know, I'd, 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 get, I'd prompt them for their stories and then I'd write them down. So this is um, um, an autobiography, or it's a family story, really. Um, Lorna Sage was um, hey, a literary writer and a literary reviewer, but she went back and wrote about her own childhood and um, very early youth. Quite disreputable vicar father, her grandfather, as it happens. So she lived with her grandfather and grandmother for a good number of years, and he was a bit of a womanizer, got into huge debt problems, 
going back to that um, diary theme, his wife actually discovered his diary where he'd um, itemized a lot of his womanizing. And she then blackmailed him for many years, um, which was another reason why he was in great debt. And of course, vicars don't earn very much anyway. So there's a hugely um, dysfunctional family. Um, and that went down another couple of generations. And this Lorna Sage, of course, who's a real person and became very famous after this book. She, she became worldwide unknown. And it is a book I'd recommend people to read. Um, yeah, she ended up having a child herself at the age of 16, um, going off to university with a child in tow. So, yeah, fascinating read. Oh, okay. Wow. We, uh, I haven't read that one, so can't... Yeah, well, once looking out maybe, for... maybe it needs to go on the list then. Yes, and um, a Whitbread Prize winner as well. Uh-huh. So there you are. There's three books from me. <laughs> <laughs> And little insights into, yeah, Christopher's, Chris's past. So um, that's quite, <laughs> quite revealing. <laughs> um, do you want me to go next? Yes. Okay, yes, right. Uh, so, oh, oh, right. Let me start with um, my first one is Lady Chatterley's Lover. Now, before you raise your eyebrows, because I can see you on Zoom, even if everyone else can't. Yes, they're raised. <laughs> Mine were already raised. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, oh yeah, it's that book, isn't it? Everybody knows that book. Everybody knows Lady Chatterley's Lover. They probably haven't read it, but I mean, okay, there are a few chapters in there. There are a bit racy, but actually I really, I mean, I love the H. Lawrence, um, but I really love um, the time in which it was written it's a real microcosm of what was going on there. I love it because um, it talks about a lot about women, actually, a lot about women's attitudes. Um, and I know, you know, I've researched a little bit into D.H. Lawrence's writing set and his social circles. Um, and often now we think of um, it's a very oppressive time. And for some it was. And, and that is documented in the book. But also um, women, you know, were becoming educated. There were people, you know, traveling around. They're not always chaperoned. It isn't always that kind of um, nice sort of uh, BBC drama that, that we're all used to. Um, and I just really love that, that. I think the Lady Chatterley's Lover has a little insight into that. Um, and of course, you know, obviously it's very romantic. But, um, but yeah, and, and I like I like the struggles as they're captured um so yes that that's probably why i've i've chosen that one um book number two book number two is a children's book actually um it's called the dark is rising um and uh, the reason why i chose it i think because obviously we're recording this at a time where we're just coming out of lockdown um, and I suddenly realised how important Christmas is to me, not as a religious festival, but as a time of coming together and sharing with family and sharing with friends. This is set, uh, the book is set um, at a time where his family have come together. And in fact, it's a really great idea to read it over real time throughout the Christmas holidays, because you can do that. It's very, uh, and share it with family or share it with younger kids. Um, and I just love the way it's like all of these little fantasy pockets, um, which are really popular at the moment. 
but he slips into another world um, which is sort of adjacent and touches onto his own. I read it as a child and loved it and forgot what it was, forgot what it was called and it drove me wild for a number of years um, and rediscovered it again recently. So I just, yeah, I, I like reading. I like reading teen fiction. I like reading children's books as well. You know, I think some of them are beautifully written and I think that's, you know, the writing is it's amazing, almost, you know, wasted on children, but it's not. <laughs> Shouldn't say in front of the children's library. That would be a great tagline for her to put on the cover of a book. <laughs> wasted, wasted on, wasted on children. children. My kids adored it. I read it with them. Um, and one of them was sort of, uh, I suppose, late 10, something like that. And the other one was a teenager and, it, and they both adored it um, and can quote you chapter and verse now. So mm. it obviously made a really big impression. Um, and the third book is no surprise to anyone who knows me. It's uh, Wild Swimming uh, Waterlogue by Roger Deakin, which is a kind of diary, if you like, Chris. So you might, you might like it, enjoy it from mm. that point of view. Um, but I, there's a lot, there's a, especially in lockdown, there's a lot coming out about the benefits of wild swimming. Um, the not only physical, but the mental benefits of wild swimming. And it's it's true you know I've always wanted to do it and I've always done it a little bit but this kind book kind of gave me permission to go oh look there's a river let's get in it I mean I'm not flippant you know I don't go barging into any old watering hole you know, I, I'm quite responsible <laughs> when I swim but um you know check for hazards that kind of thing of course I do but it is there is something about getting into and I particularly enjoy fresh water um, mm. And I, there are there are um, there's so many benefits. It's just so amazingly relaxing. Um, you have to concentrate if you're going into very cold water. It forces you to concentrate on yourself and your breathing. Yes, you can't. You know whatever you're concerned about, just have to put that to one side and think. You know, okay, let's take a couple of breaths before we can actually you know swim off and. Just enjoy, you're very low in the water and it's just enjoying um, that view of life, which is totally different from what we're used to if we're commuting to work or working on computers. It's just, it's a, it is a sheer joy. Yeah, it is. It's funny. That you, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because um, I read Waterlogged many years ago. And mm -hmm. um, when I was or probably around the time that I was sort of getting into wild swimming um, as well, and um, very early on in the in the book, and Roger Deakin describes how different the world looks it is when different. you're when you're kind of you know you're you're just above the waterline and it's you know you're swimming along, and and how differently everything looks and the, the the banks and the trees and yeah. the everything around you when yeah. you're right in it that yeah. you're normally so used to just walking along beside a river yeah and looking down at it and then when you're actually down in it and mm. you're kind of you know your nose is just above the water and everything is different the reflection of, of light um it's yeah you are part of it you're and i think it, he has some wonderful descriptions in that book um he he sets off on a journey to swim his way round the british isles and that's exactly what he does mm -hmm. um and it's just it's it's got really beautiful descriptions it's got uh yeah i mean it's not always easy and um <laughs> sometimes you know he's places where he shouldn't be 
but uh yes yeah it's it's uh yeah so uh, probably responsible for the whole uh world swimming epidemic but there's, that's no bad thing is it absolutely i think that's that's it's having a little bit of a resurgence um, oh, absolutely, in the, yeah. Yeah, yeah and in the in the press as well there seems to be quite a lot of mm. um it feels like it did i think it must have been about 10 years ago when it became there, it, there was a, a phase where it it became quite fashionable, I think, and mm. there were lots of articles in the paper, you know, good yeah. places to go swimming and things. Yeah. And I, I've noticed those kind of reappearing now, yeah. I think, as we... Uh, I was swimming at the weekend and um, and there's always, it's a well-known river for swimming and there's always been people swimming there, but the amount of people that were hopping in and out of the river, mm. um, it was really lovely, actually. It was, it was uh, really nice. And I must say, when I lower myself into cold water, I like the side of a pool to hang on to, <laughs> or a ladder. <laughs> and actually, a lot of rivers um, are well, not the rivers aren't. There are where I was at a river, and it I descended through a, a ladder, and about every I don't know two hundred yards, it was a little bit winding where I was, a meandering sort of. There were ladders, and people had sunk ladders mm. into um, yeah the the river in order for you to swim and exit safely um, no, and I, must admit, I would like to have a go at freshwater swimming i must admit i haven't ever tried that i don't think yeah just get a, a safe entry point and a safe exit point of course are essential mm-hmm. but um the bits in between are, are just lovely yeah and just and don't go too don't be too ambitious no too soon no don't, don't be too ambitious too soon stick no. within your limits yeah. um make sure you get out and warm up in between yeah <laughs> be sensible bring something long. to warm up with you know definitely it's cake is always recommended <laughs> <laughs> if you go onto the facebooks it's mainly people eating cake or you can well swim so you can eat cake so you can eat cake. oh yeah, yeah it's a reward <laughs> the flask the cake um and maybe a jumper to put on i mean you're in the summer now so although we're in wales it's still, you know, we still put a jumper on afterwards just in case. There we are. Um, what about you, Ben? Well, um, well, actually, now that Chris has read, uh, has told us his three, I now realise that, that two-thirds of my books follow the same pattern, okay. completely sort of, you know, by chance. That my first book um, that I've chosen um, is, is Jane Eyre. Uh, by Charlotte Bronte. It's um, it's a book that I read when I was at school. I did it for for A level um, actually, and um, I really loved it just immediately, um, which I was I was kind of surprised um, about, um, along with several of my friends actually, because we were not we weren't huge fans of. I've, I've never really been a huge fan of Jane Austen. Oh no, no, no. Uh, at the risk of, of you know receiving a lot of hate from certain quarters, <laughs> I know that she divides a lot of people. But um, yeah, I've never, I've never really been sort of that way. And then, um, then we started reading Jane Eyre, and it was, I, I, I couldn't get through it fast enough. It was, I looked yeah. forward to coming back to, to sort of, you know, we'd read a chapter sort of every um in every session and and it was great and it kept me it kept my interest and i was uh and it's it's so uh, at the risk of you know giving away even more about myself um it's uh it's it's possibly it's it was definitely a formative book in my my kind of uh well my my romantic persona i suppose um i've, <laughs> I've got a, i've got a <laughs> um 
He's um, not sitting here in a smock coat and, you know, he's, he's normally attired. I, I, uh, although I would be if I could be. If, yeah. I thought I, if, I, if I thought I could get away with it. You've got one at home, I'm sure. I've, oh, absolutely. I've got a selection. <laughs> <laughs> a whole wardrobe full of velvet. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, I loved that side, that, that it was so sweepingly romantic. And um, I really, I, I, I really liked the character of Jane, actually. I found that she was, she's a very relatable, very sympathetic character. She's very likable, um, possibly because she starts off in such a terrible situation. And she's yeah. so kind of universally, you know, put upon and, and kind of every, every character that she encounters in the first part of the book just seems to kick down at her and, she really is in the worst possible place. So it's all up from there. Um, and then and then piece by piece, she kind of escapes from from this and uh, and then finds herself swept up into this great romantic situation when she meets um, Edward Rochester. Um, and I love the fact that that they've, they're very honest with each other. They have this fantastic it's not just a kind of conventional romantic relationship that she's very honest with him that he's he's not an attractive man that he's he's not kind of physically he's not a mr darcy character at all he's kind of no he's he's um he's a fair bit older than her i think and she explicitly tells him that you know he's not handsome and uh any of that but she she admires him for other reasons um i think Mm -hmm. and they they develop a very deep connection I do remember reading it, as you say, at school, A-level, and um, I did love it. Haven't revisited it since, actually. Mm. Um, sometimes you don't want to, do you? You want to sm- spoil the, the image. I the think, image yeah, yeah it's, it's funny. I haven't, I think I've, I think I've reread it once um, in, the, in the years since leaving school. Um, but, yeah, Just to say, Ben is much younger than us, so his leaving school isn't <laughs> quite such a long time ago. As you can remember it. <laughs> I can remember it. Um, but um, but yeah, I think I think possibly that's true. Actually, I wouldn't want to 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 sort of read it over and over again because I think it might become a little bit. I think the I think what makes it special in in my mind yeah. might be sort of kind of watered down a little bit so I, I mm. yeah there is something about set books isn't it whether it's school or uni that have a big impact I think partly because we spend so long reading them and analyzing them and writing about them at the time that they have that deeper impact actually but I have an experience from last summer when I went away at a little holiday cottage and there was the book Bawani Junction on the, the shelves which I remember reading at, at school and I thought oh I'm going to read this again. I enjoyed that book. It was absolutely rubbish, I thought. <laughs> you know, all the colonial stuff, all the... Um, it was souped in rather unpleasant <laughs> context, I thought, which I obviously hadn't picked up at the first time around. But, you know, sometimes it's best not to go back and read books. Yeah, best not to go back. Yeah, I think there are. I think there are some books like that that you n- never actually, and you always mean to to read. They're always oh, they're yes. kind of on your to do list, you know, on your to mm. to be read list for years and years. And then maybe when you finally do <laughs> get round to them, and you find that actually they're awful, or yes. they, that yeah, they don't yeah. live up yeah. to you know Definitely. what you were hoping for, and well. But but I think that that kind of book, like you described, <laughs> Chris, there's uh, it's definitely of a time, and yeah, it makes for it's not not yes, especially absolutely. comfortable reading. Mm. Yes, don't read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my second book, um, 
this uh, again, like you, Chris, is uh, is a diary. Um, it's it's a little bit different though, um, um, both in its setting and in its author. It's it's the secret diary of Adrian Mole. Oh, I never really? read that. Yes. Okay. Um, which is a book that I read. Actually, I think I had meant to do this chronologically, the same as you, but I think we're jumping backwards now in time. Um, this is a, a book that I read. I don't remember exactly when it was, whether I was, I kind of imagine that I was around about nine or 10 or something reading it, but I might've been slightly older. I, I don't think I was quite as old as Adrian. I don't think I was quite into my teens when I read this, but um I re I immediately loved it because it uh and, I, and again I might give away a bit about myself and my past but um I I instant I I was it was possibly one of the first books that I ever read that that could have been written about me that it was <laughs> I felt I found I identified so much that's tragic isn't it that Do you know what I, I can't now say the comment that I was going cuz I found Adrian Mole deeply irritating oh, really? and i don't think he's like you at all well that's but, okay um, i like to think that i'm not like adrian anymore i think my <laughs> life is it's, it's turned out to be sort of marginally more successful than adrian but <laughs> at the time i think that oh, there was a lot about him that was deeply annoying and he would have been i mean he's an incredibly pretentious um really kind of pompous self-important um you know young man yeah. and i think he was um and his uh, definitely, certainly, his, his family life is um, is a lot more kind of dysfunctional than mine was. And I, I had my home life was a lot more stable, um, but I, I I identified with um, it that his his desperate desire to be a writer and to be kind of or to you know make some make a mark or something make some kind of a mark in the world because I really wanted to be a writer. I des I was desperate to be a kind of you know, writer and a poet and a sort of, you know, kind of... Back to the velvet again, aren't we? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Indeed, yeah. And smoking yeah. jacket as well, yeah. Just the sort of <laughs> undiscovered genius, you know, thwarted <laughs> intellectual. Um, yes. Um, there's there's probably whole kind of notebooks full of terrible poetry that I've read that, you know, have wrote which should, which should now be burned and should never <laughs> be inflicted on the world. But... Um, yeah, I liked I I'd, uh, <laughs> I liked the fact that um, that he he constantly strives for so much. He's so kind of idealistic about so many things, and then but then he is so unlucky and he's so so thwarted. Um, but I just found that his the um, I mean I read this was the first one that I read, and and then I followed him. I read the rest of um, of his of the diaries um, as the, as they appeared and as he grows into an equally tragic <laughs> adult um but he's and and i think i think i did start to uh we we did start to grow apart adrian and myself i didn't i i, I don't think the rest of my uh my sort of <laughs> my young adult life was quite as as uh or involved quite as many bad decisions as adrian makes <laughs> but uh but yeah, but I liked his. I I, I liked the humour of, uh, of of the early books, and they're very. He's very politically engaged as well, isn't he? About, mm. um, oh yeah, they're all you know. They're very of the eighties and full yes. of kind of his sort of ranting about Thatcher. <laughs> I don't know how I escaped them really because they were always present there. I'm particularly working in the library, but um, no, I never did attempt reading it. Although I've heard some excerpts from, uh, of course, it's on a talking book now, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I think, and maybe I was 
I was probably the same age as Adrian Mole. So, you know, I would expect teenage boys would have been really quite irritating at that time. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my third book um, is a little bit of a departure. It's still, again, it's a humorous um, book. And I don't actually remember when I first read this. Um, but it's it's Three Men in a Boat by oh. Jerome K. Jerome, which is one of my all-time favourites, actually. It's, it, it, this is a book that I've revisited um, several times. It's always it's one that I keep coming back to. I, I, I find it very easy to, to sort of pick it up if I'm feeling a bit flat or if I'm not well or something and I just want some comfort reading. Because um, you can't see this, but I'm sat here with Ben and he is actually holding a really old, and it's not tattered, it's well-loved. Hmm. It's a well-loved, slightly coffee-stained um, copy. So you, you obviously have revisited it. I have. Um, actually, this was, it's not coffee-stained by me. It's, um, it's a rather nice um, sort of, uh, it's, a, it's actually a first edition copy. Ooh. Yes, Ooh. in its original blue cloth um binding it is lovely it is it's it's a, looking a little bit battered and, and sort of careworn now but it's um it's still quite solid it was actually i think the f- its first owner was uh, is inscribed on the inside it's somebody called a.m montague who uh was dated it november 1890 which was actually just after oh. this was published so wow. presumably yeah. that whoever that was um it's um, really nice though isn't it when a book like it is like that it's had another author uh, it's not had another owner oh yeah and someone else has enjoyed it absolutely it's I mean, just it's, it's it's a lovely thing but i love J- jerome k jerome's writing is, is great it's fantastic he's um and it's it's i i was really surprised the thing that struck me when i first picked this up because i think i was aware of it for a while before i actually read it and then um I was really struck by how funny it is. It's mm. it's such a it's such a <laughs> uh, it's so delightfully funny, and it's and you'd think that you know it's a sort of late Victorian kind of book, and even though it's re- it's written to be humorous, you'd you'd think it might be a bit dry by now, and that you know the jokes wouldn't really be funny or it wouldn't be, but yeah. um, but it really does. They 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 really do still work, and it's got some. The passages that are an absolute joy to you know to to kind of read aloud because it's it's uh it's got a very gentle wit and it's um it's quite similar in its style i suppose to something like um pg woodhouse's stories yeah in that um i think jerome obviously had a real love of language mm-hmm. and and the you know the things that he does and he loves to kind of set up long rambling kind of ridiculous anecdotes that become more and more ridiculous um but this really it really appealed to the to my my sense of whimsy i suppose and uh, and th- just the idea of it, it's such a delightful idea that the uh, the thought of just getting together with a couple of your friends and and spending a week just very in a, in a very leisurely way just kind of rowing up the thames um with a badly behaved dog and <laughs> and you know stopping at pubs and things overnight and and just visiting little you know little towns and villages along the way and uh and, and just telling each other ridiculous stories and um it sounds, sounds really good doesn't it i suppose people would do it on a sort of cycling tour now but you yeah. know the rowing is, is well it seems far more relaxed and more sedate oh, i think so and i mean you can definitely do this i think there are whole companies that have been set up so you can reenact this kind of you know you can sort of hire a you know a, a skiff at uh well, they go from Kingston to Oxford, and uh, I'm, I'm sure there must be there must be so many people that, that do it every year and just mm. sort of 
do a little little reenactment holiday. We could do a staff outing. We could. That'd be very good. Probably needs several boats, I would think. But it's one of the great titles as well, isn't it? Three Men in a Boat. I mean, it's just you know, title you've known long before reading it. I, I have read it many years ago, and it's got a sort of a warm and friendly feel to it. It has. Yeah. And I, I like the fact that um, I think Jerome, I think he, he, he wrote it um, shortly after he got married. And, and I think he originally, um, he meant it to be a serious book. It was supposed to be a serious kind of travelogue about about the Thames, about the, the River Thames. And I think his his editor just said, I think he, he kind of inadvertently put so many sort of jokes and funny passages in that his, that his editor said, look, just drop all the serious stuff. And and just make it a funny book. Did he actually do the journey? He didn't. It's fictional, isn't it? Um, I th- I I think he did actually do it. Oh, I think okay. it because the, yes, that's right. Because I think the the main character, the main sort of narrator, is just called Jay. He's only referred to as Jay in the story, but I I think that's meant uh-huh. to be him. And then oh. his two friends, um, they're sort of fictionalized versions of um of his two of two of his close friends, who I I believe that he did do the journey um well if he didn't do it before i'm sure he was absolutely impelled to do it afterwards (laughs) (laughs) and it's at a time of course when um kind of messing about uh, messing about in boats was becoming really um really fashionable and um Yeah. yeah and you know sort of um young men i think um, we're sort of looking at it as a way to uh, to 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 meet young ladies as well. So that was you know in a, in a time when when there were very few uh, very few ways of doing so. I imagine. So oh, you want to read the ex Florence? But I think oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you could just become a gamekeeper, couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so is that. Three titles each. I think that's it's us. Three titles each, absolutely, yes. And um, maybe a little bit of an insight into uh, each of us. I don't know. <laughs> going to think differently of you now because of your Adrian Moore. <laughs> yeah, I think it does give an interesting insight, doesn't it? I say that, you know, anybody who picks up a book, and particularly one they really enjoy, gives, them, gives something away about themselves, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean... Uh, well, that's the lovely thing about working in a library, isn't it? You can, um, it's a bit like, <laughs> it's a bit like sharing your favourite sweets with someone, only that's mm. really frustrating because they, um, you know, you offer them the sweets and they take it and it's gone. Whereas in a library, they bring it back. So you've yes. got your favourites and you can keep offering them time and time again. Um, and it, it is, it's, it is part of the enjoyment of, of working in a library. It definitely is. Yeah. Yes, and if they don't bring them back, we'll go after them. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, because we know where people live. Scary. <laughs> okay, so I think um, I think we should meet again to discuss more books. And if you like the podcast, uh, don't forget to like and share in and click on the buttons below. Um, thank you very much for listening, and uh, we will hopefully. Hopefully. Speak with you again soon. <laughs> bye bye. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank thanks, you. Julia.